0: Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church on this absolutely gorgeous Easter Sunday. It's so good to have you with us. This is the day, a long time ago, Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. And we've been singing about that all morning long. And let me remind you, He did that for you. That's right, Jesus did that for you. He went to the cross and died that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Now today, churches from all across the globe, Not just here in the United States, but around the world, we're all going to be talking about the very same subject, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is not a subject that is just reserved for churches on Easter morning. Did you know that non-believers, people who don't identify with the Christian faith, they believe in the resurrection? Even people who don't attend church, people who don't believe the same way that we do, they acknowledge the truth and the reality of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. In fact, according to a really recent 2020 Gallup poll just taken last year, when surveyed, 84% of all people who took this little survey. Churchgoers and non churchgoers, 84% said that they believed that Jesus was raised from the dead. That's 8 out of 10 people. How about you? How many of you believe that? How many believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Pretty close to 100%. If not 99. You see, the events of Easter weekend, including what happened on Good Friday, was not done in secret. It didn't all happen under a rock. The entire city of Jerusalem, jam-packed with thousands and thousands of Jewish visitors from the entire region, all crammed into one tiny little space to celebrate the Feast of Passover, they experienced it. The first century Roman world, they knew what was going on. And according to the scriptures, on at least 15 different occasions, hundreds of people saw Jesus alive again, even after they watched him die. So please understand, and I sure hope you don't take this the wrong way, believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ does not make you special. It certainly doesn't earn you a gold medal silver, or bronze. And please, don't misunderstand me. It's definitely a step in the right direction. But it only gets you halfway to pay dirt. Believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is only one element of a two-part salvation equation outlined in the Bible, and you'll read it over and over again. One such passage is found in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. And here's what it says. And again, this theme is repeated throughout the Gospels, throughout the New Testament. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One more time. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, next word, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And this whole thing called salvation, this is the ultimate objective in this life. And you have all of the days that you're granted here, all of the months, all of the years that God gives you here on this earth to complete that assignment and that objective and make sure that your name is written in God's little black book. The scriptures refer to it as the Lamb's book of life. Trust me when I tell you, you want your name written in that book. And in order to do that, in order to be in right standing with God when this life is over, Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 lays out two essential salvation requirements. Let me give them to you one more time. First of all, you have to believe in your heart. That Jesus came to earth as a man, he went to the cross and he died there, but he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he was raised to life again. That's the first thing. And there's a lot of people who can raise their hand to that one. As I mentioned just a few moments ago, 84% of the people surveyed say they believe in the resurrection. But there's more than just that piece. Romans 10, 9 says there's a second mandatory element. In addition to resurrection... You also have to confess with your own lips that Jesus Christ is Lord. That means you have to declare that Jesus is the Lord of your life. And when you do that, when you believe in the resurrection and you confess his Lordship, now that's epic. Combining belief and confession, that makes you super special. And that's how I want everyone to leave this place this morning. Whether you're here in the sanctuary, you're watching online, or you're listening to me, I want you to know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God loves you with an everlasting love. And he sent Jesus to die on the cross in your place. And if you're willing to become a Romans 10.9 believer and confessor, then you can go to the head of the class. Because in God's eyes, that's as good as it gets. You can't do any better than that. It's what the scripture says. You have to believe in the resurrection, but also confess the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now that was my introduction. I hope you enjoyed it. It's Easter. So let's read a portion of the Easter story. And since we're in the middle of a series entitled The Gospel According to Mark, why don't we start with Mark's account? Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 7. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him, anoint Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? that he's going before you to Galilee, there you will see him just as he told you. Now the Gospel of John adds a little more detail to the story, so let's read a few verses from John. John chapter 20, verses 11 through 16. But Mary, that would be Mary Magdalene, she stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting there the body, where the body of Jesus had lain, one of them at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, Mary turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. She, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, Jesus said to him, supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned to Jesus and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. Now the King James Version, probably the most accurate translation Of them all here uses the word master instead of teacher. So Mary turned to Jesus and said, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. All right, let's talk about this for just a few minutes this morning. When you study the four gospels in the New Testament, the first four books of the New Testament Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will discover that all four of the gospel writers they record the resurrection story. And when you piece together their accounts and you put them all together chronologically, and this is not an easy thing to do. You have to read them, put them side by side, and then match all the pieces. When you do that, here's what happened. Very early in the morning on Easter Sunday, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary, the mother of James, Mary Magdalene and a ton of other Marys, just kidding, a few other women, they decided that they wanted to go to the tomb and anoint the dead body of Jesus. And so they bought up a ton of really expensive spices so that they could do that. Now, they had heard That late into the day on Friday evening, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who had claimed the body of Jesus, they embalmed his body already, but the women weren't convinced that the guys did it right. So they wanted to go to the tomb and clean up their mess. So they're on their way, and this is a pretty sharp group of gals. And as they're walking, they're talking among themselves, and they're thinking out loud. And they they said, but who's going to roll away this huge stone that was put into the entrance of the tomb? And I'll bet one of them prayed about it as they were walking along. And lo and behold, because they were not going to let a little stone or a huge stone deter them from their mission, when they got there, they noticed that their prayer was answered and the stone was already rolled away. But the body of Jesus was missing. It was gone. They saw a young man sitting there. It was an angel. They didn't realize that it was an angel. The angel Ask them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen, just like he said he would. But go and tell his disciples that Jesus will catch up with them a little bit later on in Galilee. So the women left the cemetery. They went and told the disciples. Of course, the disciples did not believe the women. They thought they were beside themselves. Eventually, Peter and John and Mary go back to the site of the tombs. Peter and John go inside. Mary stays on the outside. The guys look around. They don't see a body. There's no people there. The angel's gone. All they see are the grave clothes, all wrapped up, folded real nicely. And they decide to leave. So they said, Mary, come on, let's go. Mary said, no, I'm going to stick around for a little while. And she continued to pray, and she continued to just kind of wait on the Lord And that's when she became so distraught, she was overcome with emotion and she started to weep hysterically. She walked into the tomb all by herself. She saw this time two angels, not one, sitting at either end on the rock. And she engaged those two angels in conversation, not knowing who they were. And then all of a sudden, a third person arrived on the scene. It was Jesus but Mary didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus asked Mary two questions. Why are you crying? And, who are you, and whom are you seeking? Why are you crying? And whom are you seeking? Now, we're going to come back to these two questions in just a few moments. But I thought since Mary was the first one to see Jesus following his resurrection we talk a little bit about Mary. What an honor that God would give to Mary and to all women, really. I mean, he had his disciples, the 12. He had the three that were his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. They were at the site of of the tomb there. But Jesus decides, following his resurrection, to reveal himself first to Mary. Now, I want you to know that Mary Magdalene's name wasn't really Mary Magdalene. That was a surname that they gave to her, they assigned to her, to help distinguish her from all the other Marys. Because back in New Testament times, Mary was a very popular name. And so because Mary was from a little town called Magdala, they gave her the name Mary Magdalene. And it was Luke, in Luke's Gospel, he tells us that, when Jesus was teaching and preaching and in his travels, he visited Mag- Magdala one, on one occasion. And he came into contact with Mary. And when Jesus met Mary for the very first time, she was under tremendous oppression of the devil. And you remember, Jesus was the one who went about doing good. He healed the sick and he cleansed the lepers and he cast out demons. That's what the scripture said he did. And so that's precisely what Jesus did for Mary. The scripture tells us he cast seven demons out of her body. Now, there's nothing in the scripture to support this, but some Bible scholars and commentaries believe that before Mary came into contact with Jesus, she was a prostitute. And the reason that they believe this is because the city that she's from, the city Magdala, it was known for its prostitution. It was a little fishing town on the coast of the Sea of Galilee. A lot of travelers and visitors and transients, and so prostitution was high there. And you see this depicted in a lot of the the movies that have been made about Jesus and the Gospels. Mary's always typecast as an immoral woman, someone who's plagued with uh, physical and fleshly desire. But again, there's nothing in the Scripture to support that or to confirm it. All we know about Mary's life is before Jesus healed her, the devil was having a field day with her, tormenting her, assaulting her mind and her body until the time that Jesus delivered her and set her free. And on the day that that happened, from the moment that Jesus touched her, Mary was a different person. As a recipient of the spiritual healing that Jesus provides, Mary... Never look back. She walked away from all of what this world has to offer to follow and serve Jesus Christ. She confessed Jesus as her own Lord. And for the next three and a half years, she waited on him. And she became a devoted follower of his. And the reason why she lived her life that way, the reason why she followed Jesus so closely is because she believed with all of her heart that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Savior of the world, that she watched him uh, perform miracles, that she heard him speak, as, as she saw that the power of God was present through his life, she was convinced that he was the Messiah. So imagine her shock and disbelief when the events of Good Friday began to unfold. And early in the morning she heard that Jesus was arrested, and turned over to Roman authorities. And they condemned him to die. And he was beat within an inch of his life. And then she watched his bloody body hang on that cross for hours until he finally cried out with a loud voice It is finished. He breathed his last breath. He hung his head and he died. And when that happened, she was heartbroken. She couldn't believe her eyes. And wanting desperately to express her devotion and her commitment and her love to her Savior, to her Jesus, she joined a little group of women on that very first Easter morning to go give Jesus a proper burial. And you know what happened because we just discussed it. The tomb was empty. The body of Jesus was missing. The disciples, Peter and John and Mary, went back. They looked around. They couldn't make heads or tails of what was happening. Peter and John left. Mary hung around. She began to weep. She lost it, really, when you look at that in the Greek. She was beside herself. She was emotionally distraught. And at that very moment, Jesus showed up and Jesus asked Mary two questions. Mary, why are you crying? Who or what are you looking for? Mary, why are you crying? Who or what are you looking for? You know, I've been studying the word of God for 45 years, not reading it. Casually studying it. I've been preaching from the word of God for the past 37 years. And yet every time I review it. I'm amazed and totally blown away. At how timeless and relevant the word of God is. And those two questions that. Jesus asked Mary better than 2000 years ago. Are the very same questions the spirit of the Lord is asking us. These questions have so much meaning and significance for us today. The first question Jesus asked, Mary, why are you crying? In other words, what's causing you so much pain? What about this life makes you struggle, makes you hurt? That's the same question Jesus asks us right now. Prophetically, he's asking us that same question. You know, we have a tendency to just avoid it, to blow it off and say, hey, we're fine. We're good. We're handling life. Everything's hunky-dory, never better. It seems as though we just feel we need to convince everyone, including ourselves, that we've got a handle on this thing called life, that we're doing okay, that we're making it happen. When Jesus asked Mary, why are you crying? Do you think he knew the answer? Of course he did. He knew she had a broken heart. He knew what she was going through, but he wanted her to admit her pain and to address it. He wanted her to deal with what she was going through, not just stuff it way down in her soul, not bury it there until one day it would consume her or become such a great burden, she would no longer be able to carry it around with her. He wanted her to deal with her pain. And as much as I wish it were not true, that it wasn't so. Tears and pain and hurt and brokenness is a real part of this world. It's a part of life and no one is exempt. And just like the famous It is well with my soul hymn that Horatio Spafford penned a long time ago, It is well with my soul. In that same hymn, he also wrote there are times when sorrows like sea billows roll. We all experience times like that. We all go through heaviness and adversity and trials and challenges. You see, Mary wasn't the only one who stood outside a cemetery bawling her eyes out. It happened to Jesus. Very same thing. At the gravesite of Lazarus, after his good friend, probably his best friend in the world, after Lazarus died, the Bible tells us very clearly, Jesus stood there and wept. Out of control. Jesus knows what loss feels like. He experienced it. Just like us. You know, it's been eight years almost to the day since my precious little grandson, Anthony Nathaniel, tragically died, and still I have a difficult time. I'm not through that yet. Most everyone here has experienced some death, if not of a family member, a known loved one or friend, especially during the pandemic. Over the last 12 months, we've buried several of our members. You see, death stings like crazy. And loss hurts, cancer, and disease, and sickness, and a devastating medical diagnosis can create a ton of tears. Divorce, family problems, wayward children, anxiety, addiction, financial setbacks, the list goes on and on. And none of us are immune to tears of sorrow. We all experience the pain. And yet the Bible tells us we have a high priest, his name is Jesus, who understands everything we go through in this life. And when talking about his death, it was Isaiah who said he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Jesus gets it. He knew what Mary was going through when he asked the question, but he wanted her to respond. And when God prophetically says the same thing to us, what, why are you hurting? Why are you crying? What's causing so much pain? It's time to get real with God. Take the mask off and to address the very issues. That's really the only way that we're ever going to advance and experience the genuine healing that we need. I absolutely love what David said in Psalm 30 in verse 5. David said, and he said it from experience, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Yeah. By the grace of God, only with God's help, joy comes in the morning. And for a believer, joy is an important part of our makeup because the scripture says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so when Mary was at her lowest point, Jesus came, he revealed himself to her, he said, he asked her the question, Mary, why are you crying? And then he asked her a second question. Who or what are you looking for? And this is another one of those ageless questions that we all need to seriously consider. What is it that we really want out of life? Do we know? Do we have a clue? What's really going to satisfy The longing of our soul? Is it true love? Is it lasting or personal happiness? Financial security? Is it success? What is it that's going to finally remove the hole that we have in our heart? Motivational speaker and life coach Steve Maraboli, he says, cemeteries are full of unfulfilled dreams, countless echoes of could have and should have, countless books unwritten, Countless songs unsung. Coach Steve goes on to say, I want to live my life in such a way that when my body is laid to rest, it will be a well-needed rest. Rest from a life well-lived, a song well-sung, a book well-written, opportunities well-explored, and a love well-given and expressed. How many of you know these are very lofty aspirations? And the only way that we could ever accomplish them is with God's help, by his grace. And in Psalm 37, it was David, once again, who said, God knows us. He created us. He calls us by name. And he knows us so well, he knows what we need, that God is willing to give us the secret desires of our heart. But there's a conditional component in that passage in order for that wonderful promise to become a reality. In verse 4, Psalm 37 in verse 4, David said, we have to delight ourselves in the Lord and then he'll give us the desires of our heart. We have to delight ourselves in the Lord and then God will show us the way. In other words, our greatest desires must be found in him. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 and 46, Jesus put it this way. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding the pearl of great value or the pearl of great price, he went and sold everything else that he had and he bought it. And I can tell you from experience, Christianity, being a Christ follower, is worthy of all of that investment. And so again, on that very first Easter Sunday, Jesus found Mary. He asked her two questions. Why are you crying? Who or what are you looking for? And as I bring this message to a close, what I'd like to do is ask you a third and a final question. After truthfully answering the first two, would you be willing, and this is question number three, would you be willing to make a sincere turn toward Jesus and declare him to be your Lord and your master? Would you be willing to do that? You see, that's what Mary did. On Resurrection Sunday, she heard Jesus call her name. She thought he was dead. But when Jesus revealed to her that he was alive, she turned, that's what the scripture says, she turned to Jesus And she called him master. And on that occasion, Mary used a very rare Aramaic word called, it's Rabboni. It's only used once, maybe twice in the entire Bible. And it carries with it the meaning of master and Lord and Savior and teacher and mentor. It includes the idea that there's no one that is higher than you. I give all my reverence, all my respect, all my regard to you. And so again, here's question number three. Would you be willing to make that same declaration and confession and turn toward Jesus and call him your master? We're going to close out our, our service in just a few minutes. We're going to close it out with a prayer and a song, not a wing and a prayer. Uh, but a prayer and then a closing song. But just before we do that, I want to just share one final story with you. It's a personal story, I'll, I'll do it quickly. Growing up, I was raised in a religious home. We went to church every Sunday. And even as a young boy, I was very involved in the church that we attended. And when Easter came around, I always participated in all of the events of Easter weekend, starting with Good Friday. I was in church from 12 to 3 every Good Friday, and then I couldn't wait to celebrate on Easter morning, on Easter Sunday. And the reason why I went to church on Easter wasn't because my parents forced me to or I felt obligated. I wanted to go. I wanted to be in church on Easter to celebrate the resurrection. See, I believed with all my heart that Jesus died on Good Friday. I believed he died for the sins of the world. I, I didn't understand or realize that he died for my sins, but I knew he died on that cross. But then three days later, he was raised to life again. See, I believed in the resurrection. I wanted to be there to celebrate that. But unfortunately, that was the extent of my commitment to God. I believed. That was it. But I never turned toward Jesus like Mary did. And confessed his lordship over my life. I never did that. I didn't know to do that. All I did was believe. I didn't confess to be my master. I didn't say, Jesus, you're my lord. I didn't know that much about a personal relationship with God at the time. I just knew that he died and was raised to life again. And remember back at the beginning of the message, what I called my introduction. I made a big deal about this. And I told you that confession is a prerequisite to satisfy the Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 salvation requirements. Remember I told you that? Yes. Again, Romans ten nine says that you have to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You have to believe in the resurrection if you want to be saved. I, I can raise my hand. I did that. But it says you also have to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. I didn't do that. I only took the first step. Until somebody explained everything to me in the exact same way that I'm trying to communicate it to you. And after hearing the gospel message, the way that I'm presenting it to you, one day I heard God call my name. And I took that second step. And I confessed Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I emulated the actions of Mary Magdalene on that very first Easter Sunday and I made a turn toward Jesus. And when I did, it changed my life. I have never been the same since. And in the process of time, after I did that, I was able to truthfully answer those two questions that I shared with you. I was able to address some of the pain and some of the questions in my own life. I wholeheartedly was able to understand the Easter account that it went from just a story now to an encounter with God. I'm talking about a one-on-one visitation with the living God. I was able to do that just by making that little turn to Him. And so let me repeat this third question one last time. Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to take a step toward God and to declare Jesus as your Lord and your Master. And this is a question for everyone here, not just unbelievers. doesn't matter where you are on the salvation continuum. The question is going out to everyone, whether you've been saved for 40 years or never saved. Would you take a little turn toward Jesus today and either for the first time or once again declare him to be your Master and Lord? Let's bow our heads for prayer. I want to speak into your life right now, everybody who's here. And I want you to understand, and and this is something that you might know, It might be in your brain somewhere, but everything that we were singing about, all of the videos, all of the presentation of worship, the songs, the lyrics, everything that describes what Jesus did over the Easter weekend, he did that for you. He did that for you. And I believe right now he is calling your name. Calling your name. He knows who you are. He knows where you're at. And just like he met Mary there and he singled her out, he called her name and she turned to him, I pray that you make that same turn. And I'm just wondering if you're here in this place and maybe you're at home, you can just check the box on your screen there. If you're here and you've never, ever made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never turned to him and surrendered your heart to him. You know the resurrection story, you believe it, but you never really said, Lord, okay, I confess your lordship. And and you'd like to do that this morning. Could I just get you to raise your hand? Just raise your hand and hold it up for a second. Thank you, appreciate it. Thank you, go ahead, you put your hands down, four or five hands. Anybody else? This is the day to do that, friend. You want to turn toward Jesus. You want to make him your master lord, not just believe in the resurrection. That's great. You want to get the second part of this right too. Anyone else? Give you a second. Let the power of the Lord come over you. Father, we make that turn toward you this morning. We thank you for what happened over 2,000 years ago. We believe it, Lord. And even besides what we believe, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we choose, like Mary did, to devote our lives to following after you. Lord, I pray for those who've raised their hands, those who might be at home right now clicking that little salvation box. Thank you for the greatest gift that you could ever give to us, the gift of eternal salvation. And Lord, we just... Ask you to forgive us. We confess our sins before you. We know you're faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I pray for those right now that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt as they surrender their lives to you, that they have this gift of salvation. Their names right now are being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you, Lord, for every Easter miracle, every Easter encounter, every one of us, Lord, whether we've served you for years and years we can enhance and know a brand new intimate relationship with our great God. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.